You guys ready to go? It's good to be in one service again. I haven't got to be out here until since we went back to one service. It's good seeing you guys. There's a lot of people I've been like, man, I need to call them. I haven't seen them forever because we've been in there with the kids. If you guys ever wanted some entertainment, uh, it's a lot of fun, that first part of service with those children. You get to see this guy in there dancing all kinds of songs. and <laughs> you know, It's a lot of fun, guys. Thank you for letting me do that. And for you parents, your kids are awesome. We've been having a blast with them. So speaking of that, it's a good segue into VBS, right? We need help, please. Please. We have, I'm trying to get 100 kids to sign up this year. Um, that's maxed out. That's our rooms are full. And the way that we do it is we have little groups. Um, and I really need some crew leaders. And it's one of the coolest things that you guys get to do as adults or parents in this congregation is that you get three to five kids that you're with for that whole week of VBS. And you're teaching them. And there's going to be some kids that don't know Jesus. So you even get to lead them to Jesus. But you're encouraging them. You're helping them remember things and taking them around, having snacks with them. Um, I think I only have 10 crew leaders right now. I need 10 more. And so we're trying to push for a lot of volunteers. Last year we did, I think, 42 volunteers, which is awesome. Uh, I need a few more this year. And so please, you guys, this is such a great opportunity. It's August 1st through the 5th from 9 o'clock till 12 o'clock. And also if you guys know kids or neighbor kids, Try to get them signed up. Um, it's going to be a lot of fun with the kids, and uh, they're going to learn about Jesus for sure. It is not just a, a kick a ball back and forth time. Uh, we do a lot of fun things with them. So if you guys would like to help in that, I, I need a building crew. Um, we're going to be building a big old train on the stage and a big mountain on the other side uh, with a river and a ticket booth back there. The whole theme is called Rocky R Railway, and uh, it's going to be a blast with the kids. So any way that you guys want to help, um, would be great. I have a sign up on our website, lscalvary.org. You can go there or you can go to our Facebook page and scroll down until you find the VBS uh, photo there. And go ahead and click on that and it'll take you right in there either to sign up kids or to sign up as a volunteer. Um, also, I need, to, we're going to get a meeting together. Um, there was a uh, a picnic and a potluck put on the day that I was going to do the meeting, so we'll see how we can get this worked out. So that's the next one. If you guys look on your announcements there, the church picnic or potluck is going to be at Paul and Sherry Vanderputten's uh, house on Sunday, the 17th of July, following right after the service. going to be hot dogs, hamburgers provided, and so you guys, please bring a side dish. This is something we do for every year. It's a lot of fun. If you guys haven't been to Paul's house, you're in for a treat, and uh, yeah, it's a great time of fellowship together. So Please bring a side dish if you guys are coming up to that. Directions, we'll hand those out later, Paul. Is that how we'll do it? Okay. Pretty easy place to find. Uh, women's summer, summer studies are available for sign-up. Uh, we don't have the sign-up table out here today. I think there's just a couple more that are over there, so you guys can sign up um, in on the information desk that's inside the church there. And then, ladies, mark your calendars. We have the retreat coming up in September. Uh, be preparing for that. Be praying for that. And then men's summer devos. Guys, it's been a great time. Any of you guys... They want to come on Saturday mornings at 8.30. We're meeting at the Duck Park right there by the playground. It's a lot of fun. You guys have kids. Great thing to bring them out of the house so the mom can have her time in the morning. Moms appreciate it. Um, we've been having a great time going through the Beatitudes and just taking one at a time as our devos on those days. And so I encourage you guys, please uh, come and join us on Saturday mornings at 8.30 um, for the summer. All right. Let's get into it. There's a lot of information to go through. So we'll see. If I made it last night, I can do it today. 
Ephesians 6. If you guys want to turn your Bibles to Ephesians 6. This will be a two-part study. And I know you guys are familiar. Ephesians 6 is a very familiar part of Scripture, especially the part we're going to be going through. Uh, but I hope you guys find it encouraging as this is a reminder to us and uh, an encouragement for us as we walk through this life as it definitely uh, is getting more like this noose that's tightening or as it gets crazier and crazier as people are uh, exalting self and pride is the word of the day, right? The pride of life that man loves to fall into. So this morning, what it'll be is the Christian prepper, okay? I'm not here to make fun of preppers. If you guys are preppers, I'm glad you have a hobby, okay? Everybody's got to have a hobby. And some people like to get in their hobbies a lot, right? It's fine. I am not here to make fun of that at all. But I do want to encourage and challenge on why, if you are doing that, and we all are preppers to a certain extent. If you guys own insurance, guess what, okay? <laughs> You're prepping for something to come up. If you guys have life insurance or whatever, if you guys have a savings account, a retirement fund, in one way or another, you guys are preparing for what's to come. That's part of what we do. That's a responsibility that we have. And so the challenge this morning is, as a Christian prepper, how are we prepping in our spiritual life? What are we doing in our spiritual life? And that's why we're going to go through Ephesians 6 as he goes and talks about it. But before we can get to Ephesians 6, there's five chapters before that that Paul went through with this church to get them ready for chapter 6. And unfortunately, I don't have the time to go through all of Ephesians with you. I know a lot of you guys have had your own time with it. If you haven't had your time in first or in Ephesians, those first chapters, like the first uh, uh, three chapters, is just God or, or Paul describing to the church uh, who they are in Jesus Christ. Who they are. What do we have as Christians when we follow after Jesus Christ? Because the church in Ephesus was as one commentator kind of puts it, is they were living in bankruptcy when they were multimillionaires. And having that kind of contrast there, that understanding that sometimes we live our lives like that where we're completely living as if we're in poverty, spiritually. We're not tapping into what Jesus Christ has for us and has done for us. And I'm not saying all these material things he has for you, but the spiritual life, this fruit that he wants to produce in our lives, we're not even tapping into it. We're living a bankrupt life when we're, we're beyond multimillionaires. I mean, with Jesus Christ, you have all, right? Like, you can't even put a number on it. And so that's what he encourages them. He goes through those chapters, and he's saying, this is who you have, and this is what you are. And then the last part of it, he starts going through, now this is what you should be walking like. So this is what your family should look like. This is what your marriage should look like. This is what it should look like between your children and you. This is what it should look like as a boss and an employee, or back then as a bondservant and a master. And so he goes through all that, and now he's going to set us up and say, here's the preparation you need to have to fight the battles that are going to be before you. And so there's a lot of things going on in this world that definitely will make us start, okay, there's some battles coming up. I know we're, we're food shortage is all over the place, all over the news, right? And so some of us maybe started gathering canned goods or started thinking that way where we never would have thought about that before. Maybe some of you were because you're just natural at that. But it starts warning us, like, okay, there's some warning bells going off. So I need to start doing things a little different. I need to kind of hold back on what I'm spending and, and start doing this. Well, we also know that in the spiritual life, it's getting crazier and crazier, isn't it? I mean, it's an awesome thing what happened just recently with the Supreme Court and, and having that step taken in the right direction. That's a huge encouragement because for so long, it feels like we just keep losing ground, right? And having that overturned is, is just, wow, praise God. 
Praise God. Now, unfortunately, of course, we have states that are still horribly misled in places and, and still ready to go and act on abortion. If you guys don't know what I'm talking about. There, that's just one issue, though. There's issue after issue that we see as man chases after self. They keep falling lower and lower, right? Because when you make yourself God, let's look at humanism. When you're the all of everything, okay, you are the end of all. That's what humanism teaches. That gets pretty depressing, if you truly believe that, maybe it's a good thing to talk about between people, and you're all spiritual and talking about this, you know, and, and you're in, in with the universe, and you're in with the nature, and I've been watching Alone a lot on the History Channel. There's a lot of people on there that are getting really into nature, you know, and talking with it, and after a while, I'm like, how can you guys not look at it as God? You, you give every attribute to the universe that God has, but you don't want to take that extra step in saying, yes, there is an almighty God, and I am accountable to him. As the world keeps going down and getting away from God, their Savior, and more into themselves, it gets pretty depressing when they go. And so people want to have an identity that matters. Something that somebody is going to come to them, be excited that they're a part of that identity, right? They're going to have attention in that. We love that. The flesh loves attention, doesn't it? The other thing is they want to be a part of a cause. I want to be a part of something that matters. I want to go out. I'm going to do whatever I need to. And especially the younger generations wants to be a part of that. And the old generation to them has no idea what they're talking about, right? And so you see this conflict as man chases after himself and after what he thinks is glory rather than going towards Jesus Christ and forsaking him. We end up in this place that, hey, we need to be prepped for these spiritual battles that are going to be coming up more and more frequently, not only personally, but from the outside against the church. And so that's what we're going to be looking at for this week and next week. Now, today we're going to look at the part that's the defense, okay? So there's certain items in this whole armor of God that he puts on the Christian here that are defensive. So things that I have as defense, if it's going to come an attack, the spiritual attack, the enemy's coming against me and his whole hierarchy and his army, this is the defense. Then the next one we're going to talk about next week is the advent, the advent, uh, the, the, <laughs> The offense, what is the offense? I was going to go for uh, advance. The advancement, I was trying to use a trickier word. Failed on that. I know, man. That was like one of those president slips. No, I won't go there. <laughs> oh, bad joke. I shouldn't bring that in. <laughs> Dang it, that's going on the internet. I'm going to be all. Okay, anyways, let's get back to what we're talking about here. So Paul has carefully established our place with Jesus Christ in these first chapters and the basics of the Christian walk before he comes to where he says in verse 10, finally. So he establishes what God has done for you, the standing you have as a child of God, the plan he has that you get to be a part of, the direction for your maturity and your growth that he gives you, the way he calls every believer to live, the filling of his Holy Spirit and the walk in the Spirit, and that there's a battle to fight in the Christian life. That's what he goes through in those first five chapters, and even a little bit into chapter 6 until you get to verse 10. So, without all of those verses, we would have a hard time putting on the armor of God. Let me just say, if you guys don't know what it's about, you're not going to be able to put it on. So I encourage you, if you guys don't know anything about Ephesians, you need to take your time this week. And go back to it. Skip out on the YouTube that you've been watching just for a little bit. And go and read this and research these first part, first part of Ephesians. It's awesome, these parts of Scripture. And it gets you set up for what we're talking about. 
So I'm sure that every one of us, we are definitely people that like to uh, defend in advance, don't we? Is that true? I mean, we like to defend in our life. If you guys don't believe me, just think about the last argument you had, especially with your spouse. Right? Were you defensive? Yeah. Did you want to advance your own ideas? Yeah. And your subjective truth? Yeah. We wanted definitely to go that way. That's what we like to do. That's what we do. That's an example of us in the flesh, right? We're trying to get our things across. But what we want to look at is what does that look like in the spirit? What does advancement look like in the spirit? What does defending look like in the spirit? And so Paul explains how the Christian should be prepared in using this picture of a soldier. So let's go ahead and read verses 10 through 20 to get this picture. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Verse 17, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. And for me, that utterance may be given to me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known this mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that in it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. And Lord, as we read through this scripture, and I pray that you would just make it so clear to us what you're talking about here. Pray you just pour out your spirit on me, be able to teach your word in the correct way, and uh, what you want to speak to your people and to me, Lord. Um, we're excited to be able to do this. It's a beautiful day. Thank you so much for what you've given us. And, Lord, that you would be glorified and exalted. And uh, we just pray this in your name. All right, so, verse 10, finally. He makes a very strong point before he even gets into this armor, right? And if you guys don't know, at this time, what's going on is Paul is in prison, okay? Whether he's under house arrest at this time or he actually is in a prison, he's around Roman guards a lot. And Roman guards, part of their deal is they had to be in uniform or in their armor, and so he gets to see it. He's in Rome. He sees a lot of these guys with their armor. So I'm sure right in front of him is this great picture of what he's about to talk about and go through. And the Roman army was known to be great, especially during this time, wasn't it? They're going to conquering city after city, kingdom after s- kingdom, and their soldiers were very advanced compared to the other soldiers. And a lot of it had to do because of what they had and what they're fighting with, both in their defense and their offense. And so he goes, but the very first thing that has to be put there is he says, my brethren... Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. If you do not understand that, when you go to put this armor on without God's power, who's it going to be acting under? Your own power, right? You're going back to this this view of I can do it, and that's not the way it is. That's not what he's called us to. He's called us to die to ourselves, right? And to live for him. And so we have to be strong in the Lord. That's where we get our strength from. And in the power of his might, not our own might. It is all about God and what he has for us. Philippians 4.13. Do you guys know that verse? 
scripture you have it memorized if you're like oh i kind of think i know it's for i can do all things through christ who strengthens me right i can do all things through christ because it's him that strengthens me not i can do all things through christ because i believe he died on the cross no it's through his power because i too have been crucified on that cross the old man has been done away with the new man is here raised in the likeness of jesus christ right romans 6 that's exciting to know, especially when we're about to go in here, because now we have this whole uh, uh, investment into us that he's given in these promises, but it has to be in his power and in his might, or in his strength and in his power of his might. Then verse 11, he says, this is the first time he's going to say it, and he's going to say it a couple more times. He says, put on the whole armor of God. Important words here, and you guys, as you go through the scriptures, be attentive to what he's directing us to do. Because some people will go through and say, okay, these are all the things God's going to do for me. So I'm going to hang back here while he takes care of it. And that's not the way it goes. That's not, otherwise, we'd be sitting at home while he provides for us all the time, right? I mean, it would go down to the very basics. So basically, we wouldn't have anything to do here except for wait to die and go to heaven if we're all about him going to take care of everything. No, there's still a process in this life that he takes us through so that we can grow closer to him in. And he builds our character out, right? So we can become more like Jesus Christ. So what he takes us through, he asks us to put on the whole armor of God. So whose responsibility is it? It's ours, isn't it? It's ours to put on the whole armor of God. He supplies it, so it's sitting there, and it's your job to go put it on. If you look at it and say, hey, again, the Ephesians being in that bankruptcy or the way they're living like has this wealth next to them. Hey, I'm going to go into battle and here's this armor that I have from God. It's the best you could ever get. Doesn't it look cool? Or maybe it's not even on the ground. It's in some kind of case because you don't want to mess it up. So I'm going to go fight, and, you, you know, it can stay here. That's ridiculous. And, and, and that picture, it looks ridiculous, but do we do that in our lives? Absolutely. We try to go and fight these battles, especially spiritual ones, as if we can do it, and in our own righteousness even at times. We think we have something to put in there. It is not that way. Put on the whole armor of God. That's you, and this is the reason why, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Against his cunningness, against the things that he tries to rip us apart and tear us down. The schemings of the devil. And I mean, if you guys don't know this, he's been around for a little bit, okay? When a being has been around that long and has seen humans, they kind of know how they react. We're not that difficult to get to understand, right? Right? Or maybe we are. I mean, some of you guys are married a long time, and you're still trying to figure out your spouse. It goes that way. He's been around. He knows what can throw a human being for a loop, right? He knows what can tear you down as a believer. He knows the perfect words. He knows the perfect temptation to throw into your life, to shoot that at you, because it probably follow through. Like, he is so scheming. He knows every little bit, and so it's a dangerous enemy, because he knows us very well. Don't let that dishearten you, because... Uh, we're on the good side, aren't we? And not just on the, oh, we're on the good balance side. Like, Jesus Christ is creator of all, right? So guess what? who created Satan? Jesus. So they're not, they're, it's not this uh, good versus evil, like they're on this teeter-totter and they keep going back and forth. No. Jesus is up here. Satan's been defeated. He's down here just trying to outlast the rest of his life or whatever he has to stir up here. And God uses that to bring himself glory, he uses it to grow us. We don't, and then he says, stand against the wiles of the devil. Now he's going to go into that. So he, he lists the devil, and then he goes into 12, verse 12. And that's basically listing, like, here's the army of him, okay? This is what we're up against. So 
For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. It is so clear in these scriptures that we are not to fight against flesh and blood, right? We do not fight against other people. That is not what he has rescued us from. That's not where salvation has put us, is to be these warriors against other people. It says clear as day that we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but we wrestle against the principalities. We wrestle against everything that has to do with the enemy, right? So we put on the defense so that we can have that advance be made later on. So we have to remember that when we're praying and when we're going up against things, that it is against this enemy that's been set against us, that wants to destroy God's creation, wants to mess it all up. And he has from the very beginning, right? So if this isn't people... The thing I would encourage us in, and this is a hard saying, this is something that comes down to, okay, if it's not against flesh and blood, then we shouldn't be going up against our liberal neighbor, okay? We shouldn't be going up against the people that disagree with us, or your conservative neighbor. Maybe you guys have a conservative neighbor that's rotten to you too. We're not there set up to go against that person. That's not what we've been called to. We're not set up to go against the politicians that we completely disagree with. We're not set up to go against people supporting or that are a part of, and I'm going to get all these initials right, the LGBTQIA2S plus crew. That's legit. That's what it is written out now. It gets longer and longer because, again, I go back to it. People are just searching for a cause or an identity that they can be a part of that doesn't have to do with Jesus Christ. But guess what? They're not our enemy. They are deceived people that have gone and taken this hook, line, and sinker into the enemy's side. The enemy is the, en- is the devil behind it, isn't it? And so when we go into that, of course, now I'm not saying, guys, that we don't speak truth to people, okay? That we don't just say, hey, my fight's not against you, okay? <laughs> like, no, we definitely give truth. We lay it out because... But here's the difference, not because we want to be right or because we want to show them how wrong they are or how evil, but because we love them as Jesus Christ has loved them. Did you guys know that Jesus Christ has died for every single human being on this earth? Hasn't he? So that means that he loved them to do that for them, didn't he? Does that mean that he's done loving them or that he still loves them? He still loves them. That's what he calls us to. So absolutely, we still pour out truth. We, we talk about, you know, we, we have compassion on those people. But we call out the sin, and we stand for God's truth, and we let our speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt. That's out of Colossians 4, 6. That's the way we deal with these things. And sometimes it gets really hard because we do want to go fight those things. But watch out because that can become a thing that's a pride for us, that we want to go and defeat those people when that's not what God said we're after. And he doesn't give us this armor to go after those people and to defend against. What it is is those, what he just said there, it's not against flesh and blood, but it's against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of this darkness of this age. Guys, those people need to be saved. One of the coolest things I saw two years ago when all the chaos was going on, all these riots were happening with Antifa, right? Remember all that was really bad? One of the streets they were going down and tearing up, there's a guy up on a a light pole, and I don't know if you got to see this. Awesome guy. He's out there, and he's just proclaiming the gospel to the people. He's not saying, you guys are all burning in hell today. He said, Jesus, stop, guys. Jesus loves you so much. You don't have to be slaves to this. You don't have to do this. Jesus Christ can rescue you from your sin. Come to him. Be honest with him. God wants you to have his identity put in you. And he was, this passion he was showing these people and crying out to them, pleading with them out of this love that you could just see Christ's love for these people. And guess what the people were doing? They're going by and hitting him in the side. 
They're spray painting all kinds of vulgar things all over on his clothes. And there were some people in the crowd saying, hey, leave the guy alone. He's not doing anything to you. But he would not stop, and he's up there proclaiming. But you could see the love of Christ in him. He was doing something. But it's because he had a love for those people. And so it's a challenging thing that for us that we would have the same attitude of those around us and whoever God puts in our lives. And I know nowadays most of us, we have a relative or we know somebody that's going through these things that has been deceived into what the world has for them. Never give up in prayer. We're going to talk about this next week in our advance that we get to take, especially on behalf of others. Praying for them, fasting for them, continually going before the Lord, being there for them to give truth, never wavering from that, not joining into the, the ideas of this world, but keeping the kingdom of heaven and fighting for that. Oh, man, these gnats are good, aren't they? Whew. All right, so we don't fight against flesh and blood. Now, he says this again, verse 13. Therefore, okay, so because of that, guys, now that I have your focus right, is what Paul's saying, against who, we, who we're against, therefore, take up the whole armor of God, the whole armor, not just pieces of it, that you may be able to withstand in the day, or in the evil day, and having done all to stand. And the next verse starts out with what? Stand therefore. And Debbie was sharing with me that in her Bible it says stand fast, which maybe in yours does too, or stand firm. That standing firm, as we get into this, we're going to talk about kind of what the soldier looks like, what he had to wear, and how he was, well, standing was a very important part for a, a soldier, wasn't it? If you were down on the ground, what would happen to you? And remember, this is old school, hand-to-hand combat, very brutal. So standing on your feet was everything, wasn't it? That's why horses were such a detriment to people because they're of higher. So you had to stand. So as he goes through this, he says it four different times, stand firm, therefore. You have to be standing, ready to go, ready for that onslaught. It's not like, and I like how Debbie said it, it's not just sitting here like, okay, bring it. <laughs> like just slouching. No, you're ready, you're in a force. And um, as we were talking, it reminded me of that, that movie uh, Braveheart, right? When they have that whole idea that they're going to go against the horses and they have those spears they make. If you haven't seen it, sorry, ruining the part. But he keeps saying, stand, stand. You know, he's yelling at them because he didn't want anybody to run away. If anybody runs away from that front, it's in trouble. There's a hole that the enemy can come in, right? And they stand to the very last minute, which real life, that would be scary. You have all these horses coming to mow you down. And all you're going to do is pick up a wooden spear to stop them. Which in the movie, it does a great job, doesn't it? But they had to stand firm until that last moment. They had to be ready, braced, ready to go as that onslaught came. Just like in our own lives, as the spirit... As the spiritual warfare happens, we have to stand firm. Now, I want to give you guys some encouragement because it's not like, okay, we got to be scared. Every corner we go around, the enemy's going to get us. Colossians 2.15 is a great verse if you guys are taking notes. Colossians 2.15 says Jesus disarmed the principalities and the powers. He did. Jesus is taking care of it. He disarmed them. So it's even crazier to think of this. So here we get all this, this, this uh, uh, armor that he gives us, and the principalities and the powers have been disarmed through Jesus Christ. That's encouraging, right? We're not even fighting an enemy that's armed. Now, they have little scheming things they can do with the, uh, their words, and we know that uh, the enemy, as we get into a little bit later, shoots fiery darts. But think about darts, little things that are going to come into our mind. Then Romans 8, 8, uh, or sorry, Romans 8, 37 says, In him we are more than conquerors, right? In Jesus Christ we are more than conquerors. So we stand right. Four times it says that. Then we get into the different parts of the armor, right? You guys might have one of these 
little posters in your house that has all the things listed out, you know, having that soldier there. You know, we do down there, especially homeschool families. You, you definitely have that. All right. Gird, having gird your waist with truth. Now, as we go through this, let's look at it as, as a practical way, too, for a soldier. And how does that apply to us? So girded your waist with truth. Now, the uniform of then was they would have kind of like a cloak put over them. Um, it was basically like a, a, a cloth that would have a hole for your head and then the two arms, and it kind of just be straight down. It wasn't all formed to the body. And so they needed that belt. What that did is because that left your arms really loose to where you could swing them and you had a lot of freedom to be able to move while you're fighting. But you had to have something around the midsection to hold everything together. And so that's what this belt was, is to hold all of it together so that you had that freedom of movement and there was nothing that was going to be there distracting you as you're in the middle of a battle. I mean, how awful is that if all of a sudden everything starts falling apart, right, when you're trying to survive? Wouldn't be a good thing, would it? So you, they had to make sure that was together good. Some of them even had a wider one, which so would cover up their, you know, the middle section so nothing gets stabbed into any of their organs, the lower part, because the breastplate wouldn't go all the way down. It just depend on what era, and, and you guys can check it out. But that part was super important. Of course, truth is super important to us, isn't it? Truth is so important, especially in our Christian walk. If you guys do not have, and I'm going to say this, objective truth, which means that you rely only on God's truth, which is objective, you're going to waver a lot. You're going to fall away. Because as soon as you start having truth for yourself, it causes conflict. It causes you to stray. It causes you to refocus on to self again, doesn't it? Remember, I had one person chew me out years ago, and they told me that they were just speaking truth to me in love. Okay, after they just went off on me and on their perspective of what they thought I had done wrong. So they took their subjective truth on their perspective on how it was. And now I'm going to just give that to you. And then they quoted that scripture. Well, that scripture is not talking about that. If you guys go back to it, it's, all, it's talking about giving people the gospel, you know, speaking the truth and love to people. But if you're always looking at self and you're always about your own truth, it's going to lead you off. We know that for a while, do you guys know, like, there is no absolute truth? Remember that saying? It's kind of moved on from there. So if there's no absolute truth, uh, then everybody else can make up their own truth. So they used to say, uh, what's true for you is true for you. What's true for me is true for me. Well, now it's gone on to even a bigger thing where they've established even more of a foundation to where it's, it's called a wiki truth, okay, like Wikipedia. So everybody comes together. What's good for them is good for them. What's good for us is good for us. So now I have not just me saying this is truth, but I have a group of us saying this is truth. And so therefore it has to be true. And you see the slippery slope they start going through? It's almost like you're going back to the Tower of Babel, isn't it? Hey, let's all get together and let's be a God, right? Let's all be the self-focused. Let's be the everything that we have ever wanted to be and do anything we ever wanted to do. It's a sad place. So truth has to be wrapped around, has to be the center. It's what gives us freedom of movement and keeps us from distraction. That's what truth is about. Okay, now the next one he goes on to, he says, so therefore, taking up the whole armor in verse 14, Stand, therefore, having girded your waist in truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Now, that breastplate was a good thing back then because that's what covered up your organs, didn't it? Like, that was very vital to have that. So you could get your arm chopped off. You could get an uh, arrow in your leg or in your knee for Skyrim people. And then you could get, have all these things happen, but you could still probably live, right? So you could still live with that. But if you get anything in the guts, in the heart, anywhere else, you're done. You will slowly die if it isn't that bad of a wound. But that breastplate of righteousness was so important in keeping them alive. 
I also wish I had one because they're pretty cool. Also for the fat guys, it had like these abs on it. So made you look better, right? So I'm saying bring it back maybe. I don't know. Be a lot easier than having to run every day. <laughs> so this going to our own lives then, when it talks about the breastplate of righteousness, guys, righteousness is everything to us, okay? We have to rely on the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Otherwise, we'll be very vulnerable and we'll be encouraging certain death. We'll, we'll stray, we'll go off. We have to have his righteousness. Now, I want to go through and I want to read this real quick. I love, this is a great book. I've been having a lot of fun going through it. It's called The Normal Christian Life by Watchman Nee. Uh, Watchman Nee was a Chinese pastor uh, back in the 20s. And he's talking about what the blood of Jesus Christ does for us. And he gets into this because he wants to share with people about what it looks like for the accusations brought against the brethren from, this, from the enemy, right? From Satan. And so here's what he says. What then if our attitude of Satan, this is important, for he accuses us not only before God, but in our own conscience also. You have sinned. Here's what he says. You have sinned and you keep on sinning. You are weak and God can have nothing more to do with you. This is his argument. And our temptation is to look within in self-defense to try to find ourselves in our feelings or behavior, some ground for believing that Satan is wrong. Alternatively, we are tempted to admit our helplessness and going to the other extreme to yield to depression and despair. This accusation becomes one of the greatest and most effective of Satan's weapons. He points out our sin and seeks to charge us with them before God. And if we accept his accusations, we go down immediately. Now, here's where it gets into the righteousness part. Now, the reason why we so rapidly or readily accept his accusations is that we are still hoping that we have some righteousness of our own. You get that? The way that it's so effective, and the reason it's so effective is because we're trying to show him that that's not the way, or we're trying to show ourselves, no, no, that's not true. That's a dangerous place to be. I'll read that again. Now, the reason why we so readily accept his accusations is that we are still hoping to have some righteousness of our own. The ground of our... Ex- uh, uh, expectation is wrong. Satan has succeeded in making us look in the wrong direction. Thereby, he wins his point, rendering us ineffective. But if we have learned to put no confidence in the flesh, we shall not wonder if we sin, for, every, for the very nature of the flesh is to sin. Do you understand what I mean? It is because we have not come to appreciate our true nature and to see how helpless we are that we still have some expectation in ourselves. And with the result that When Satan comes along and accuses us, we go down under it. Here's what I'll end with this last little bit. God is well able to deal with our sins. He's well able to deal with our sins, isn't he? And praise God for that. But he cannot deal with the man under accusation because such a man is not trusting in the blood. He can't deal with a person that's under accusation because they're trusting in their own righteousness. They're not trusting in the blood that has brought absolute righteousness to us. That's why that breastplate of righteousness is so important. That's why it guards all the vitals. The enemy can come in there and accuse you guys and take us out of the picture and make us to where we're unworthy. Guess what? We're not going to be very valid in this fight against him. Even last night, that's what happened. As soon as I left here, I was just like, wow, that was horrible. And immediately, all these thoughts start flooding into my head. Shame on you for not studying more. Shame on you for not spending time. Shame on you for not going before the Lord. I mean, accusation after accusation to the point where I was like, Lord, I just want to go back to helping out the kids. It's a lot easier. <laughs> it's a lot easier to deal with the kids. They, you know, I don't, I don't feel the pressure that's there. 
And all these things started flooding. Okay, how can I escape this? How can I, you know, I can do this over here for you, God, when God's calling me to do something else. And that's what will happen. As the enemy can take you out, that's what he's going to end up doing. So having that breastplate of righteousness is so important to us. Thank God for experiences that we have, but do not rely on This is Lloyd-Jones. You do not put on the breastplate of experiences. You put on the breastplate of righteousness. It's all about Jesus and what we are in him. Let his blood cover you, accepting that, yes, I am a sinner, and I have to have his righteousness. Verse 15, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Now, putting on this this, uh, footwear was so important. If you guys know your history, Alexander the Great and also Julius Caesar were known for having armies that attacked with crazy speed, and they also could attack in distances that they would cut the speed in half. And a lot of it was attributed because of their footwear, what they were wearing. And that was a huge thing. It would take the enemy by surprise. Well, guess what? It would get it out there, wouldn't it? It would get their army out there to be able to spread. That's why it relates it back to the gospel. You spread the gospel of Jesus Christ, man, it overwhelms the enemy. You take the enemy and they're, well, it's all these people coming to Jesus Christ. This is not right. We're not winning anymore. Also, the Romans, uh, Josephus, the historian at that time, Jewish uh, historian, talked about the Romans and with their footwear and some of the what they would do is they would drive the nail through their, their leather sandals through the bottom and then cut the bottom off and kind of round it. So they had traction when they were out there fighting in some of the places that they had to fight. So it's super important for the soldier, of course, going back to standing firm. If you didn't have good footwear, you couldn't stand that firm, right? And we could come and take your feet out from under you and you'd fall down and death comes. All right, I'm gonna have to hurry it up a little bit. We're getting short on time here. So if you guys also remember, just in with that, with the, the talking about the feet, also in Isaiah 52, 7. I want to read that scripture real quick. Love that part of scripture. Very encouraging as far as what God calls us to. And it's even back here in the Old Testament that this was what expectant, that we were supposed to, and, and the Jewish people at the time were supposed to be spreading the good news. So in Isaiah 52, verse 7, it says, How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news who proclaims peace, who brings glad tidings of good things, who proclaims salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns, right? Such an encouragement to be brought. Verse 16. Now he says above all, doesn't he? So above all. Okay, here's this defense I've been giving you. These are the, 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 the armor that I have you putting on so far, but above all, taking the shield of faith, which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Faith is so important, isn't it? There are things we are not going to be able to explain, right? And so the world says, well, you guys love, you hate reason. Uh, you hate things that are scientific. And so you just want to grasp at straws and believe things that are out there that you can't see, hear, touch, feel, can't use any of the senses. Um, of course, you guys can challenge them right back. I mean, that's, that's in its essence, that's what science is, isn't it? The exploration of our world is that you have a hypothesis, which means you have faith in something that it might do it, and then you take it and test it to see if it is. Guess what? My life has been tested. I can tell you personal experience, testimony, Jesus Christ is absolutely 100% real. You guys can too. I know that you've been walking with Christ. You can say the same thing. Yes, God is real. He's not dead. Jesus Christ is alive. His word is living. Just they want to skip over that part. They hate the word faith. Uh, Faith is so key to us. Now, here's one of the things about the armor. All the other armors are pieces that go on you, so it moves with you. And so 
able to deflect things that you don't see a lot of times. Well, if the shield, you're usually purposely putting it in a direction to deflect whatever's coming from the enemy, right? And the Romans had awesome shields. That's one, another one of their points that made them a great army. If you guys ever seen the, I can't remember which movie it was, Debbie and I are trying to figure it out. But they have one part where they're going up their incline trying to take out one of the forts and they uh, put their shields together in what's called a turtle is what they called it. So their shields were up to about their face so they could duck behind them and they'd wrap around there just a little bit rounded. But what this did is that everybody would get together, about 20 guys, and the guys on the side would hold them up and then the guys in the middle would hold them over the top. And so it looked like a turtle. So they could go all the way up to the gates and do whatever they needed to while they're being pelted with rocks and arrows and everything else coming down on them. Scary. I, I just try to put myself in those situations. I mean, if you guys were holding a shield and knowing that as soon as you move that shield, you're dead, right? With all those things coming in on you, you're dead. Again, going back to Braveheart, there's one place where he holds up the shield and that, that arrow comes right in by his head. That is so crazy to me. If I was ever in that situation where I knew if I just made one movement that was wrong, I get an arrow in me. I get a fiery dart in me. But that's why faith is so crucial and to be maintained that we remember who we have faith in. Not ourselves, not some system, not anything else except for Jesus Christ. We hold up that shield. We protect, right? We direct it. And it says that it's going to shield us from what? Those fiery darts from the enemy, right? Those fiery darts, usually in the scriptures, has been those thoughts that he loves to throw in your head. And going back to what I originally said, that could be those thoughts of temptation, right? Those thoughts that he wants to put in your head on how you could do it better next time, getting down on yourself, those accusations that he brings against us. A lot of different things that he can bring on, and we could go ahead and develop in our minds and take them away because he knows what seed to put in there to destroy us, doesn't he? He knows it. And so that piece of equipment, that defending, the putting that faith up is remembering, no, this is who I am in Jesus Christ. And that's why he says it's so important that the shield is above all, you need to have the shield of faith so you'll be able to, because otherwise you're not going to be able to, quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. And so I want to challenge you guys, if you guys are having problems with the thoughts that are coming in your head, the things that you, I'll give you some examples. Let's say you guys got in an argument with somebody and you're thinking through that night, okay, next time I'm going to tell them this. I can't believe they said this to me. I should have said this back to them. I'm going to write it all out on a piece of paper and tell them what I think next time. You know, and you're just mulling it over and over and over in your head. Or maybe you messed up big on one day, right? You did something that was wrong. Man, I can't believe I did that. That was so stupid. There was a time that I put my wife on a zip line. It was stupid. <laughs> I didn't test it with the bucket like we always do, right? And this zip line's huge. This is out in the middle of the forest going across the ravine, 250 feet. And we always put a bucket of rocks on it. But I was like, Psh, I've been doing this for two years now. I know how to do this. Well, my dad had made a new brake for me. I didn't make it. So I didn't get to drill it out like it should have been. The brake is a, a piece of wood on the end of the cable that's attached to a bungee cord. You hit it, and it's awesome. If you guys ever experienced it, hey, maybe next time we can go camping next year, I'll build it again. If you want to be my test dummy, step up. My wife won't do it anymore. <laughs> she came down. I clamped that thing together on there, hoping it was okay. Well, guess what? The, the hole wasn't drilled out enough. So when I clamped it down there, it was clamped. So my poor wife comes down. And we know from one of the, the Apple uh, apps, you could see how fast you're going. It was going 15 miles an hour is what this thing would do. She comes down there, and she's like, you know, I think this is going to be bad. So she crosses her legs and everything, and she hits that block of wood on there and just stops instantly. <laughs> Boom. Goes flying up in the air. The board that she's sitting on splits in half and goes flying off. And she's sitting there her whole head. Bad, bad husband moment. Horrible that I would put her through that. My poor wife and what she was ended up having to go through. But 
just watching what we ended up doing and, and where he's got us. All right, I'm going to go ahead and finish this because I think we're about out. Yep. So the shield of faith, watching what we have and blocking from those thoughts that come in our head. And if you guys want to look at another part of Scripture to go to, we don't have time to go and read it. 2 Corinthians 10, 5 talks about this in taking every thought captive into the obedience of Jesus Christ. So not letting those thoughts go through your head over and over again and, and developing them to even come worse. You take them captive and go give them to Jesus Christ. All right, last one, the helmet of salvation, verse 17. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. We'll talk about the spirit, the sword next week. This one is the helmet of salvation, another very key element. A soldier without a helmet is just asking to be wiped out, right? Just like the breastplate of righteousness, which covers all the vital organs, you get hit in the head, you're done, right? So you got to have this helmet on there. The helmet of salvation is so awesome because that's who we have in Jesus Christ. That's the hope of our salvation. In 1 Thessalonians, you guys turn over there real quick with me. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, he goes in, in also this letter to the Thessalonians, he talks a little bit about the armor. 1 Thessalonians 5, 8. He says, But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. And so that interacts with what's going on in our head. We, we remember we have this hope of salvation, and that should be able to help us get through whatever things we're being, having to go through, whatever spiritual attacks are coming on us. We remember what we have in Jesus Christ, that our salvation is near, Right? We have this hope to look forward to. This is not the end of it. This, is, this world is just temporary. It can protect us from discouragement, from giving up, or from even retreating. Having that hope of salvation, knowing that we are saved and to be forever with our Savior. That's the hope that we have, that we put on our head this, this stronghold against what the enemy is trying to take us out in. And so these are some of the things that we prep for, that we put on, as the Lord asks us to do, and things that can go against the enemy. And so as you guys go out there, and as the time continues on, and wherever we're going to end up, and whatever the Lord has for us, remember, we have to, and we're responsible to be putting this armor on that he's given us. Remembering that it is to be strong in the Lord, and the power of his might, and then we dress in this armor. And I know some of you guys have made it a practice that every morning you guys will pray through the scripture. And talk to the Lord about putting on this armor so that you're reminded throughout the day, this is the armor that I have on. So when thoughts come into my head, nope, I have the helmet of salvation, right? My hope is in Jesus Christ. My righteousness is not of my own. I don't have to depend on my righteousness, so Satan be gone, right? You can't accuse me. I know I'm a sinner, <laughs> but I have Jesus Christ. Go accuse him. Oh, you can't because he's never sinned. Everything is in him, that truth being wrapped around, remain in truth so everything stays together. So there's no distraction. And then having that shield of faith, waving that around, blocking those arrows. Don't ever give up on what is true and what that faith that he's called us to, right? The worship team wants to go ahead and come on back up. And then we'll talk about it next week, going over what the advance is for us as we prep as Christians. Um, in this world and what we're put up against. So let's go ahead and pray. Lord, we love you and we thank you so much just for the awesome things that you've been doing in our lives, Lord. And I pray that as we continually are bombarded by different things in this world, um, you know, whether our kids are getting involved in it or, or our friends or family have submitted themselves to it, Lord, uh, that we remember to have the right mind with you, that we would just come to you and continually just be before you, pleading for them that they would be turned back to you and your righteousness. 
Lord, we know you love them more than we ever could love them. So, Lord, show us how, what words need to be spoken, the wisdom, what words don't even need to be spoken, the silence we need to take place and just to go into prayer. Lord, that we wouldn't entertain fights or arguments. Lord, that we always take it back to you and be able to continually give uh, the truth. And, Lord, we pray that people would yield to that, that you'd bring them back to that, Lord. You put other people in their lives besides family, that we'd also challenge them on their worldviews. And, Lord, as we go throughout this week and these months and the years, whatever you have planned for us until you return, Lord, that we remember to put on this armor that you've given us, that we wouldn't just set it aside or put it in some nice case. We remember to go out because we do have a battle to fight. And, Lord, if we're ignorant to this or, or, or do want to be ignorant to it, Lord, that we would know that we're out of the battle. The enemy is won. He's, he's sidelined us. Um, Lord, I pray that you would help us and encourage us to get back up from that sideline whether we've been hurt by people or, or Lord, we felt you, you've hurt us or, or wherever people are, Lord, I just plead with you, please continually go to them as I know you do and you speak to them. They'd be encouraged to get back into what you have for them, back into this battle and be strengthened by their brothers and sisters too here, Lord. Thank you for this congregation. Thank you for these people. I pray that our pastor is well and safe and he's having a great time relaxing and finding rest in you, Lord. And we just pray these things in your name. Amen.